I've invited uh, the leaders of our neighborhood ministry to come and share with us for a few moments. I believe that the neighborhood ministry is one of the best kept secrets of the ministries of this church. And uh, I want you to get to know more about it. Now, this is Sean Holtz, who is our administrator and director, whatever, and his assistant is Stephanie Keene. How fortunate we are to have their uh, leadership in, in this vital, vital ministry. I've chosen to ask them some questions to interview them for you uh, on your behalf. But before I ask them, let me mention this is not a new program. It's been here well over 30 years. Carol Marsh started it uh, as the Sandwich Club, and it grew, and we found out it was a needed ministry, and uh, it's been around for over 30 years. So we're very proud of it. But it's still a good, well-kept secret, and uh, it's one of the most vital ministries that we have. Um, Sean, I'll start with you. How long have you been... Uh, with our church in this ministry? Um, this month actually marks my nine-year anniversary here. Nine years. Nine years. Wow. That's great. Stephanie, how about you? Yes, so I have been um, with FIRST for four and a half years, um, and then the last year and a half I have been the associate for neighborhood ministry. Okay. And in this program, about how many students do we have uh, coming to it? Sure. So we have 77 students right now that we pick up from 12 different schools in our community. Wow. 77 come here every every day? Yes. Monday through Friday, we pick them up from their schools, and they come here for programming. And, uh, Sean, <clears throat> what time do they start? Um, high schoolers start trickling in at about 2 o'clock, and then as buses start to arrive, um, between 2.30 and 3. And then we have students here until um, 5, 5.30 every evening. Every, all that time. Well, think of that. Now, that used to take this. They're, they're usually located in the building that we're renovating, and much of that renovation was this ministry in mind. Now they're over in the other building only on a temporary basis. In the film we saw... It showed them in the gym and all that, which uh, um, gives them a little bit more room to play and everything. Really proud of that. I'm amazed at 77. Now, besides money, what do you need in the ministry? Sure. We're always looking for volunteers. Um, we can use tutors. Uh, we would love to be able to have uh, one tutor for every student. But if you're available... Um, between the hours of 4 and 5, we would love to have um, some tutors come out and help out with students with homework. Um, we are always in need of drivers. So if you are able to drive between the hours of 2.30 and about 3.40, we can always use drivers to drive our buses that are going to um, pick up the students. Um, you, do, you don't need a special license to drive our buses, and we provide training for that. So... Um, yeah, if you're available during those hours, we're always looking for drivers. How many then, how many buses do we run? We want run three buses, as Stephanie said, to twelve schools currently. Twelve schools that yes. we draw from. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
tomorrow. And then um, we have a big need coming up with uh, summer camp. Um, so we're in the transition phase where all of the college students that work during the school year are going home for the summer. And many of the students who are away at college are coming home for the summer. So if you know any um, high school seniors who are over 18 that are looking for a summer job, or if you know any college students that are coming into town for the summer that are looking for a summer job, we also um, run a summer camp for seven weeks during the summer where the kids are here from 8 in the morning until 5 o'clock at night. So, um, yeah, so we're looking for for uh, staff, or even if you're a um, teacher and you're looking to fill some summertime, um, we'd be happy to have you. Okay, that's great. Well, Stephanie, of, of all these 77 young people, how many of them want to go to camp or normally go to camp? Yes, so we typically send anywhere um, from 40 to 50 kids to Warren Willis Camp every year. It's something they really look forward to and they get really excited about when it's coming up and they start asking when it's coming, when they can sign up. So we usually have 40 to 50 kids every year um, apply to go to camp with us. That's not ju- that's not just our youth group here. This is just out of the... Correct, school. yeah. This is not typically students that participate in... I- in our youth group. We have some overlap, but the majority of the students that we're talking about here are kids that a lot of them maybe have a different church that they attend on Sundays, but they attend our after-school program. How much does it cost to go to camp? $475 is the minimum cost per student. Let's just round it off at $500 right there. Okay. So that means we're going to need about over $20,000. How much do we have now? So far this year, we have raised um, $8,344. John, um, so you can tell them that I've already made my donation, my $10 I've seen the end of it. <laughs> but um, I want to I promise them, I'm doing this on your behalf, that we're going to make sure these young people go to camp. We're not going to let them not go, and I promise you that on behalf of this congregation. And I hope that you will take this seriously. What an opportunity we have. Now, one of the things that I learned, too, was that in order to go to the camp, they all get it free, the children from the from the neighborhood ministries gets it free, but they have to do 40 hours of community service in order to do that. And much of their community service is done in our uh, kids' pack program. And I went in and watched that. That's some. That's another one of those ministries that most people don't know about in the church. It is an incredible machine making uh, 1,500 kids' packs. And these young people from the neighborhood ministry are there. Uh, they're people from every walk of life. It is the most unified, the church, that I've ever seen because it crosses so many barriers. and It's just incredible to bold it. And so uh, that you need to know about as well. But uh, I, I believe that the neighborhood ministry is why we're here, why we're here as a church. Uh, that's not the only ministry 
but that's certainly one of the critical ministries of our church. And I want to thank you for how you're doing God's work for us. And uh, we do pledge to you our complete support. And may God bless you. Thank you. you. We do have a film. We do have another film for you to see at this time. Help us with homework when needed. It's mostly like how everyone, how um, everyone's so energetic and nice. All the staff and how fun they are, how great they are, and how fun they play on our activities and point store. It's my favorite after school program. The people here and the love that I get from them. That's that's what I like. I really like going to the pool, but uh, my favorite would have to be uh, Bush Gardens. One of my favorite summer field trips was one of the years when we went to SeaWorld. And I say that because there um, I felt really included in the group I was in. And I also felt like it wasn't about worrying about anything. It was just about having fun with your friends. So that's one of, that was one of my favorite trips. A neighborhood is a place where you go closer to God because... That's what I feel like neighborhood has done for me. I've had a better relationship with the Lord because of what everybody has done for me. So, um, like neighborhood is kind of like on the crazy side, but we're like, we're like very, we're like everyone's like really energetic, and the staff is like really nice. I usually come here for after school and the summer programs. Neighborhood is like neighborhood is a fun place to go to. If you want to learn or get a closer feeling to Jesus and God, you should go here. Warren Willis was a place where I made friends, and it's also a place where I reached deep into my soul to think about and reflect on what my life is and what my life wouldn't be without Jesus. So Warren Willis was really a place for me to reconnect with the Lord also as neighborhood is. It it surprised me how much I learned from coming here, you know? Because, um... Before, like, I didn't I didn't read the Bible as much. You know, I still believed in God. I just did not read the Bible as much. But then after going here and, like, learning uh, about God and all this, like, I just felt like I had a closer connection with God. Some stuff that I, like, had questions about, you know, and I answered in the Bible. Plus, reading the Bible, like, got me to, like, pray more. We was in chapel one time, and we were, like, they were talking about, like, life and stuff. And they were, like, that, like, man. Life is a book, some of that, like, you, life is a book, and, like, you hold the pen. So, like, each stage of your life is a paragraph or a, or a page in the book. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you and your ministry. We appreciate it. Well, it is a very special ministry of our church, and uh, we certainly want to let them know we're behind them and supporting them and loving them. This is the third Sunday of Easter season, and uh, I'm reading out of the 20th chapter of John, the 24th through the 29th verses. (coughs) 
I'm reading the New Living Translation. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound at his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Now let us pray together. Take us, O Lord, to the upper room again, that we may be able to see the risen Christ and experience him. Walk with us in these moments and remind us that you are ever near. And never leave us alone or comfortless. Enable me, O Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit to preach the truth that I believe you you know that we need to hear. I am weak, but you are strong. And I look to you for your power and your might to proclaim these, these words of truth to my friends. So come, Lord Jesus, and bless us because we wait for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have heard me say before that we are a people of places. There have been places in our lives, in all of our lives, that are very significant. There was that birthplace. I, I was born in a parsonage of the Methodist Church in Greenville, Kentucky. Now, You need to know they haven't put up a historic marker at that spot yet. (laughs) But that is a very special place to me. There are other special places. There's a place where I went to school. It's like you have that place. Places where we we called home. Many of different places. There was the church place as well. And um, there were those places where we had special moments where we fell in love, or where we were married. There are many, many places in our life, lives that are very special. Certainly in the lives of the disciples, a special place was the upper room. And our scripture lesson this morning takes us to that special place. I believe it was the first sanctuary. Because it was in this place where Jesus... uh, washed the feet of the disciples, and where he broke the bread of the the Seder meal uh, during Passover and instituted the Lord's Supper. 
It was a very special place to them. It had to be. And they came back there after the resurrection of Jesus, gathering together in the upper room. Now, you need to know this is a a group, a band of brothers, sort of a motley group, to be honest with you, very human being. But as a, as a band of brothers, the scripture tells us they had nicknames. One of the nicknames they gave to uh, to Thomas was the twin. Uh, there were other nicknames as well. I, I remember, you remember the CB, CB craze? So you've been around long enough to remember that, most of you. That you always had a name for it on the CB radio uh, that you went by. One day when Claire and I were trying to decide our names for the CB radio, I said, Claire, perfect name for you would be Holy Cow. And she said, well, I've got a perfect name for you. Lots of bull. (laughs) But there were other nicknames that the disciples had. Peter was known as The Rock. And James and John were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. And Thomas was the twin. Now, we've given other names to Thomas. We call him Thomas the Doubter. Maybe it should be better that he's called the Honest Skeptic or uh, the Real Human Being. Because Thomas simply does not accept or believe He has doubts, very much characteristic of most of us mere human beings. And it is to such a human being that Jesus comes. And and I I want you to notice, though, that there's something about this behind locked doors that uh, is incredible for us to remember and claim. It says they were together behind the locked doors. And I've long believed that the church at its best is when we're together. Not just together in a worship experience like this, but together in motive, together in mission, together in love. There's just something about being under the Holy Spirit that brings us in a together experience. Relationship, And I think one of the things that disturbs me is how we're so split asunder within the church, the body of Christ. And that we are at our best when we're in togetherness. I have a friend uh, who's a retired Air Force pilot. Uh, he was a fighter pilot. And... Uh, He said, you know, I think that the church, when it's best, is like an airplane. He said, when I fly an airplane, I look out and I'm thankful I've got that right wing out there. If I don't have that right wing, that plane's going down. But I'm thankful when I look out that i got the left wing too. Because if I don't have that, the plane is going down. That the church is at its best when we have everybody in it together. Would that we would have that kind of church, that we're in oneness, not necessarily in agreement, 
but they weren't in oneness. Look at the disciples behind the closed doors. They were not perfect people. Thomas was the doubter. But Simon Peter had denied Jesus. And one of the twelve had betrayed him. But remember that it was in the upper room as they were getting ready to have the holy meal together that Jesus said, one of you will betray me. And they didn't begin to point at each other and say, I bet he's the one. They pointed at themselves. And they asked the question, every one of them, the scripture asked, Lord, is it I? Because you see, they knew that within themselves, there was the capacity to be a betrayer. So notice that. That's, they were together because they were still all different walks of life, different needs, different failures, different sins, all in need of a Savior. Look at them behind the, the locked door. Notice that the door is closed. It's locked in this passage that we read together, says. And one of the concerns that I have is that ever so subtly we we put we close doors on people that keep them from coming into this sanctuary, into this upper room. Ever so subtly, not meaning and not in a mean way, we just have put up doors and walls and uh, shut them out. But let me tell you something. Jesus has a way of dealing with closed doors. If the stone couldn't hold him back, neither can the pitiful doors that we put up hold him back. Jesus comes to the upper room, even through the locked door. He has a way of coming to places like this. And I believe he's here. I believe he's here right now. Because he said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be among them. So here comes Jesus right to where we are. He promised he would come. Nothing that we have or nothing we do can hold him back. So he's here. He's here. And what does he say? He says the same thing he said to the disciples in that upper room. Peace be with you. I wonder if there isn't anything more that we want in this world than just have peace. Peace of mind and peace of soul. The peace that passeth all understanding that this world cannot give nor take away from you. Here comes Jesus. He offers us peace. And what is it that he says? Hey, don't be faithless, but be believing. Simply trust me. Trust me that I love you. Trust me that I care. He showed his hands to Thomas. And Thomas made that great profession, that great confession. He said, my Lord and my God. There was a conversion that took place in the upper room behind the closed doors. And then Jesus says something. He said, blessed are those who have not seen 
yet believe. Think about that. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet believe. Isn't it amazing that Jesus could see way off into the distance and knew that we would come along? He said this for us. Blessed are you because you have not seen, yet believe. In the upper room, Jesus was thinking of us. We were on his heart. I want you to know something today. I really want you to know this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so very, very much. You are the object of his love. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he prayed for you upon the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they did. I want you to know you're the object of the love of God. I don't care what your doubts are. He pushes those aside if you'll let him. He loves you. I don't care your sins, your lack of sin, your lack of doing. He loves us. That's one of the great truths of the scripture. And I want you to know that not only does he love us, but he is Lord. He is Lord. And I want you to know this. He also saves. He saves people who are filled with doubt. He saves people who have sins. He saves people like me and like you. Here comes Jesus right to where we are today. He offers himself to us. He says, blessed are you. If you believe yet you haven't seen. What a great gift he gives to us. He loves us. He died for us. He rose for us. He is Lord and he saves us. And that's the truth. Amen. Now may the blessings of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you, abide with you, and keep you in his peace, grace, and glory, now and forever and forever and forevermore. Amen.